handle the truth. This is the welcome back again with the mute Thursday night. Get right. This is Thomas free me and Demetrius knuckles ill caught us in the mix. We trying to get everything going. This is Thursday night. Get right. We here Thursday night and we about to get right. This is going to be a great conversation. Demetrius knuckles ill Thomas free me coming to you on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube and every other platform that you can think of. Amen. I'm trying to find you on TikTok, partner. I, I don't. Let me see. I just had you. Okay, I just shared the live to you. Okay. All right. So welcome back, everybody. Yeah, before we get started, let's give our many blessings uh, to those that have been inflicted by poverty, who's out there trying to struggle and survive and live through the. I just caught the messages. Thank you, guys. So you should be able to hear Demetrius now. We got too much going on. We got a lot going on, y'all. We're trying to get connected on TikTok. This is our <laughs> right, first time. Right, right. Demetrius finally got up to. There right. he goes. Right. Nope. Okay, so now what you got to do is you got to, I'm going to click you back out, and then you got to come back in and make sure, let me see if I can do it. Turn on your camera. Turn on. Okay, I'm, I'm, there I am. See me? No. Oh, what the? Oh. There you go. Now you, now you see me. Now I can see you. Bam. All right. Perfect. All right, y'all. Okay, onward with the show. So, yep, tonight's show, Thursday Night Get Right, the title is The Senseless Shootings in America, man, Without Enough Solutions. You know, we keep seeing all these shootings going on across America, uh, the quick gunplay, the, the, the quick to kill mentality, the senseless of, of life, you know, no appreciation for life. And we're seeing this just happen time and time again across America. And uh, no solutions. Nobody has an answer. And the craziest thing to me is that I don't think, and I, I'm being a, a very, uh, I got to be very transparent. I don't think nobody is really looking for the answer because everybody, America has always thrived on violence. So to hear about this, and we know that the prisons, the prison industrial complex is like one of the second or third largest uh, industries in the United States, you know, people licking their teeth at the violence that's going on because that means there's more people to lock up. That means that the prisons can stay open. That means that they can keep their jobs. So 
on one hand, I do believe that. And then on another hand, I think that everybody's just baffled at the rate of shootings that's going on because this is this is out of control for real. Yeah, it's definitely out of control. And my message, as always, is the fact that they're trying to take our guns. You know, this is one of the last uh, large populations on Earth that the citizens are still populated with guns. There's no other country in the world that has its citizens as heavily armed as America. So they're definitely trying to reduce that. You know, the American citizens is a, is a military on its own, if we can ever get right and come together. But, you know, this, this is so reminiscent of what happened in Australia back in the 80s, where they created uh, public shootings. They had one large mass shooting to the point to where the public outcry was do something about these guns and their own citizens voted out their own guns. And then now we see what's going on in Australia. So. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, guns, guns sell. I mean, mm. guns, is, it says more guns on the streets than it is people. So how are people getting these guns? I mean, they, these guns are not being made by the people. They're not being made. We're not, we not standing up in corners and garages and making these guns. They're they making these guns for a reason. They put them in it. First of all, we have rights. We have a Second Amendment right. So now people have the right to bear arms. And people are really standing on that right, whether they have the gun illegally or otherwise. The fact that Second Amendment gives you the right to bear arms, people are arming themselves. And for, for very good reason, because at the rate of people being shot, killed, maimed, everybody feel like their life is in danger if they're without some type of weapon. And I, I, you cannot knock that. You can't knock somebody saying, I, I feel I got to arm myself, man, because people getting killed every day. Ladies getting robbed at the store. People getting shot just for a pair of cheapest earrings. So, you know, people are arming themselves and we can't knock that, man. Well, I mean, it's that's isn't that the function of of humanity going way back when? I mean, when when a caveman looked out his cave and saw that there was something bigger than him out there, didn't he grab a spear? Say, if I want to eat, I got to I got to make a tool, you know, to survive with. So the point of that is, is yeah, we don't have things that are bigger than us. We don't have dinosaurs and stuff like that, but we have machines, right? right? We have war machines that are producing these phenomenal weapons that can fire hundreds of rounds of, of heavy pieces of metal at a large amount of speed and in a little bit of time. You know, this is, this is what we've created against each other. You know, and when we go back to World War One, we go back to World War Two, how quickly we turn right around into World War Two, the, the the quick rise of Adolf Hitler through through Europe, you know, and again I believe that that was a facilitation of powers to be because they saw that there was this lunatic out there and that they could put him in a in a position of power. He was he was a extreme narcissist with such influential powers. That we stick him in a nation that that needs that right now. Germany was was the the, the brunt of everybody's excuse for World War One. And and they hit Germany so hard that these people 
were looking for a savior. They were so, that whole nation was in so impoverished that they were looking for a savior. And here comes Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and, and all of this, I believe, was created because they saw the profits that they could make, these warmongers, from World War I. So now you got Henry Ford, you have all at Remington, you have all of these companies wow. making billions and billions of dollars from creating war machines. Rockefellers. The right. Rockefellers, the war, the Wahlburgers, all of these. They sit back in their large estates on their vineyards and just watch everything go down. And and why wouldn't they? First of all, it's the art of war. It's the art of war. But see, the thing is, is they have us believing that we're at war in the streets. No, we're at war in the streets so they can take the money because they make the money off of off us going to war in the street. They make them. Believe me, they make money off the Second Amendment all day. Some of these people help craft craft the uh, United States Constitution. Some of these people literally help craft because. A lot of the things that's in the United States Constitution serves only a handful of people. And that handful of people is those with money. Mm. So they help Amen. to craft these amendments because if they didn't craft, for example, the Second Amendment, if the Second Amendment was not there, do you know how many more people not just would be dead, but would be in prison? Now, but they crafted that off the backs of those with money because those with money said, look, we need this because this is going to be our bread and butter for generations and generations to come. This is something that will never go away. But it has to be crafted right. So there we got it, the Second Amendment. I'm not taking nothing away from it because I agree with it. I'm, we're just speaking on the fact that how these guns are just becoming so, like it's just the right thing to do for everybody, I'm to, the children. I was just looking at an article today <clears throat> in the news where the police was talking about how young people are playing this game with those water guns that look like real guns now. They say it's very dangerous <clears throat> because what if, and God forbids, that we walk up on someone, two children, and they're hiding behind houses and they're jumping out behind cars with these guns. What if? And we know that the if is real big and very, very possible. What if we pull up because there was some real gunshots somewhere and we driving down the street and we see these young boys. We don't know they playing with toy guns because they look real. And we take one of their lives. So now what I'm talking about is how we indoctrinating the youth to carry the gun this way. We got the Second Amendment. We know that. But we ain't talking about the Second Amendment. We're talking about the illegal usage, the constant shooting of these guns. But guns don't kill people, as DMX said in Belly. People kill people. That's why Second Amendment uh, uh, defenders defend it so well, because they say the gun ain't killed nobody. That's right. That, that gun ain't you can sit that gun on the counter, Nick, and it ain't going to do nothing. For a thousand years. A thousand years, and it ain't going to be a shot or nothing. But if you put that gun in the wrong hands, the mindset behind those hands will pull that trigger and cause something to happen. 
that's where the problem rises at. That's where the solutions need to be found at in the minds of the people. But we have to stop always talking about the guns, the guns, the guns. The gun, that gun ain't hurt nobody. That's right. That's exactly right. We're, again, we're not talking about the root. We're talking about the problem. You know, but nobody wants to talk about the root. I had this conversation the other day. So let me fill you in on my week, man. It kind of kind of mesh into what we're talking about, you know. So, homie, Sunday night, I got a big meeting on Monday, right? So I, I crash here at the office, you know, and uh, I leave the front door unlocked, Whoa. right? Three o'clock in the morning, about 2.30-ish. I'm gonna do. I got. I, I'm gonna do an episode and put an episode out on this. But about two thirty in the morning, homie, I hear something, right? Now in this office complex, there's a building above me as well, so people are coming, going all night and whatnot. I hear footsteps, but I'm trying to. I'm laying in, in on this mattress and I'm trying to make a determination as to are these footsteps upstairs or is this something inside of the office? Right. Right. Now, so. Mind you, about that time, I hear a phone noti notification go off, a ding. Now, one, I don't have no notification like that, nor do I have my notifications on in the middle of the night when I'm trying to sleep, and I got all my phones next to me. So now I know that somebody is in this office with me. Now, I don't know that I fell asleep with the door unlocked. Right. You know what I mean? So, But I'm still kind of half asleep. I'm still... In that groggy state to where, like, is this real or am I dreaming this? So I didn't know for sure if I heard the ding in my sleep or if or if this was really happening. So I get up out of the, you know, off the mattress and I come out of the office and there's a dude standing in the hallway, just standing there at at my desk, just wow. looking at looking at pictures on the desk. Right. So I freeze. This is a big dude, right? I'm 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a little bit shorter than me, but this guy's at least 300, 350. You know wow. what I mean? Just a big old gut dude, right? Nasty, smells like a, like a boar. You know what I mean? So I'm standing there for like at least a good three seconds, again, trying to process this scene. First, I'm trying to read... My instincts automatically try to read the scene as, am I in a dangerous situation or not? Right. You know what I mean? I see that he's just standing there at this desk, kind of looking down at the desk, but I didn't read any hostility or anything like that. And his hands were present. So I really didn't feel threatened in that moment, but I'm sitting there trying to process if I know this person. Right. So after I, I'm, I, I processed that, I, you know, I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So I'm like, well, what the hell are you doing? Right? So he's like, well, you have a sign on your front window that says walk-in life coaching. And the door was unlocked. So I just came in thinking that you were open. So I'm like, okay, you got me there. I can't really say nothing to that. That's my slip. I didn't tell him that, but I'm like, okay. And right. why didn't you wake me up? He's like, well, I, I saw you in there sleeping and I didn't know if you were a female or not. So I didn't want to startle you. This is what he said. Okay. So I'm like, okay, but you still 
announce yourself. If you see that all the lights are out and, and whatnot, you still announce yourself. But I'm like, how can I help you, man? What you need? So he's like, man, I'm hungry and I'm tired and this. So I blew up an air mattress and fed him and stuff and put him in the front room, right? Okay. And then nine o'clock in the morning, he wakes up about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. I do actually do a, a live TikTok with him. But the thing is, is why he's sleeping, I go out back and out back is my duffel bag, right? I have a duffel bag that I keep in here for clothes. So, so sometimes if I run to a shower, whatever, you know, I got a duffel bag. He's got my duffel bag out back with his stuff crammed in my duffel bag. Now, this kind of blows me because now I'm sitting there thinking he had to go through my office to get yeah. this duffel bag. So I wake him up, and when we do the TikTok Live, I'm asking him, hey, man, so what, what's going on with this duffel bag, right? And he's like, oh, man, you know, I, I just saw it, and I thought it'd make me you know, make things easier for me to carry all my stuff. I'm like, but you know, that's my, my duffel bag, right? What the hell? So he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I get it, man. I get it. And I'm like, let me explain something to you, man. I said, I've been hospitable to you, right? He's like, yeah, you've been hospitable to me more than anybody else has, you know? And I'm like, okay. I say, so let me explain something to you, man. I say, just because you choose to be in the position that you're in for whatever reason, Right? right, you still got to make these choices to live how you're living. That gives you no right to take mine or anybody else's property to make your life easier. Wow, you see what I'm saying? Because I'm out here struggling too. How do you know that what you what you took that you thought was gonna make your life easier won't make my life harder? Right. You mean you see what I'm saying? So he's like, man, you right, you right. So I'm like, okay, end the TikTok, man. Listen, great show. Got to gotta go. Got to go to a meeting, right? So he leaves, right? So this is where it gets interesting at, homie. So now I go to get in my car to go to this meeting, and my car is slap empty to the point to where it, it tells the emergency light comes on. I no. put a half a tank of gas in my car the night before because I knew I had to go to this meeting. This dude took my car all night. Man, come on, man. God, hey, God's word. So now that spooked me because I'm thinking I woke up when he came in. But the fact is, I was asleep the whole time. The whole time. And I woke up when he came back. <laughs> and he tried to play it off because he knew that his phone noti notification went off. And he knew that I, he heard me stir and wake up. So he right. tried to play it off like, uh, so when I see that, man, I, um, I go get some gas. I go find him. I approach him. I ask him, man, did you take my car? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I just took it to a friend's house and came back. You want me to give you some gas money? Like, nah, man, you know, I said, but don't come back around here no more. Right. I say all that to, to, to speak on the topic that we're talking on. Like I had all right. If I would have had any kind of weapon within my vicinity, I had all right to extinguish his life. Absolutely. Well, not in not in the sense that I was in because I'm in an apartment build, in a, an office building, and I understood with the walk-in life coaching that he he played one off. Then he got rid. It was bullshit, but he 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 hit me with that. But in that sense. 
People walk into people's homes, and if this was a home and somebody came out of their room and saw that, they had every right to eclipse that dude's life. Every right, man. Listen, I, uh, you know, personally, I see that man, and and the fact that you thought that this was his first time coming in, all the time he had been in. <laughs> While I'm asleep, laugh. homie. <laughs> I hate to laugh. No, but that's that's the seriousness of it. For real, I gotta laugh at that 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 stuff too. <laughs> Because I'm like, wow. And the funny thing about it is he took nothing. No change from my car. He took absolute. Man, listen, he could have wiped his office out. Apparently, the way I was asleep. You know what I'm saying? I'm in there like Bobo the Clown snoring. And I got some 350 pound, uh, obviously, mental health person. And But just imagine, though, man. Y'all got to excuse me all to the viewers. I got a uh, pink eye, and uh, I just got over a cold as well. But just imagine, though, man, if you didn't know who he was and you did have access to a weapon and you did see him in your car or you did see him rumbling, rumbling through your, uh, your bag, just imagine now we talking about solutions, right? So now we're talking about the way people think. What makes people think and tick the way that that man was thinking and ticking? Obvious, he had some screws a little bit loose up there. That he, that he would even think that he could come borrow your car and don't even know your name. Don't ain't ask you, don't know you, don't nothing. But, but think of this here. This is how deranged he was that he brought the car back. Man, that guy, listen, we can say that that's far out, but that tells just how deranged he is, that he would take your vehicle, go do some business with it, and bring it right back, and take your duffel bag and put his stuff in there and say, oh, my fault. Yeah, you want your bag back? No, I don't want my bag back. You never asked for it in the first place. His demeanor was like, we have been partners our whole life. <laughs> That's what his demeanor was like. His comfortableness and his demeanor was like, we were partners since high school. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and the fact of it is, is like when I told him, like, homie, you stole my car. He's like, man, I didn't steal your car, man. I brought it back. If I didn't bring it back, I would have that stealing it. I'm like, no, homie, you took my car without permission. That's stealing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, what in your right mind makes you think that? But see, this is a dude, and it's not to, it's kind of to expound on what it is that you're saying. This guy, I have to send you a picture on the side. This guy, has he's been shot in his gut, right? So he's got the scar running up his gut. And then you know what usually happens from that is you you get serious hernias from that stuff if it's not yeah. properly. So he's got a hernia probably the size of four bowling balls hanging wow. out of his gut. His gut is uh, that's probably where most of his weight is coming from. Yeah, he has just one of those huge guts that just stick out from your chest like four feet and just drop. You know what I mean? Uh... So and then so 
His hair is all to the side and mangled. He's, he smells, like I say, like a boar. But yet in his mind, when he saw the podcast, he's like, man, we can do shows. Man, I got lyrics for days. Man, they called me Mr. Con Consuela. You know, he's like, man, I'm Mr. Consuela, man. Y'all don't know me. He's like, man, you really, he's like, I just look like this right now, but I'm really a boss. I manage four different, and I'm just sitting here like, wow, this dude believes that stuff. And that is how this particular human has allowed himself to get in that position because he's never accepted what has happened to him. So in his mind, he's got to keep telling himself that he's a boss to hold some semblance of, I don't know, pride, I guess. Uh, well, somebody just commented, uh, PN Car 42 said, you a good guy. He said, you a good man, but I worry about your compassion. Yeah, I saw that. Amen. Thank and, you. And, and, and I say that, too, because he ain't coming in the house after you took my car. Mm. You ain't coming in. I don't care if you ain't eight in 10 days. You about to die off uh, uh, dehydration because at the end of the day, I don't know what else he's done. Right. And, well, I and, didn't know. This was the after after I sent him on his. He never told me he took my car. Okay. You see what I'm saying? I just in my mind, I'm thinking I woke up when he came in, and that he's standing at my desk and needed food and 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 he was hungry and just needed a place to sleep. In my mind, that's how, I had no idea that this dude, because in my narcissistic mind i think that i wake up when i hear every freaking sound you see what i'm saying so this is what i'm thinking is bam i heard this he just came in i heard him and i'm up okay let me help you i put him down to sleep i sent him on his way then i got in my car and realized i'm like when i got him see when i got in i had to adjust the seat and i didn't even realize it but once I looked and, and, and go to start and my emergency light is on for the gas, I'm like, I just put $40. I'm thinking somebody siphoned my gas out. <laughs> but then it hit me. I'm like, no, I had, to, I had to adjust my, why did I have to adjust my seat and my gas is gone? This motherfucker took my damn car. <laughs> my dad telling me, I probably told him I could take it in my sleep. I probably did. You probably did. <laughs> Hey, Listen, homie, can I take your ride? Yeah, go ahead, man. Take it. Just don't mess it up. Bring it back. The keys over there. <laughs> I got a baloney sandwich in the refrigerator, too. Listen, so there was this uh, there was this snake on the road. I'm sure you heard it before. There was a snake on the side of a road. And people would ride by this snake, and they could see the snake was hurt. But it was this one guy. He seen the injured snake along the side of the road, and that one guy said, you know what? I'm, I can't be like everybody else. I can't just ignore this animal laying alongside of the road injured. And I see it, and I know that I love animals. That's so that me. man, when he got that snake, he took that snake home. He fed that snake. He nursed that snake back into condition. That snake, him, he played with the snake a long time. The snake ended up biting that guy. That guy said, Man, Snake, I did all this stuff for you. I looked out for you. I let you drive my car. I let you <laughs> I let you use my duffel bag. You'd have been in my refrigerator, all type of stuff. Why you bite me? He said, man, you must forget I'm still a snake. Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson for you, man, because at the end of the day, I, I, I deal with homeless people every single day. I deal with 
I mean, homeless men, homeless women. <clears throat> they out there selling their bodies. They doing stuff to get their money, get food in their systems. But never do I ever forget that they have an addiction. And I know the desperate nature that springs up from that addiction. And therefore, I never turn my back because I know that at any given moment, if that addiction hit hard enough or that so-called punk pimp tricked that woman enough or vice versa, that that person will take your life just yeah. to go. He would take your life just to go buy literally a $10 piece of heroin or cocaine or whatever it is that they use it. Just take your life just to go get high. And that's why we got to guard ourselves. We talking about the shootings. We talking about the solutions. We have to guard ourselves. That's part of the solution. We just talked about the Second Amendment. We talked about defending ourselves. But right, if you don't have a gun and you still have the right to the Second Amendment, you have to arm yourself in another way. We arm ourselves with information and intelligence. We cannot allow ourselves, we cannot allow ourselves to be disarmed by someone, and we can't disarm ourselves to leave ourselves vulnerable in an environment that we know so well. So many people didn't make it, but it's a reason why we made it. It's a reason why we, on this show right here, able to be on this show when people said we was going to amount to absolutely nothing. <laughs> but we sitting here talking to thousands of people at one time. Amen. Never imagined doing this. The most we talked to was a cellmate in a cell, or we might have talked to four, five people in a, in a unit. But never imagined that we would be talking to people on this level and encouraging and inspiring and motivating people to the degree that we're doing it. We have to guard ourselves as if we have those guns at exercising our right to the Second Amendment. That's how we have to guard ourselves. You know, I share that story because what 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 do you do? You know, you have so many you have so many Americans out there that really don't understand what that Second Amendment is about, and some of them have even really been kind of rock to sleep thinking that it's just for hunting, you know? So it's, it's, what do you do in that, in that instance? You wake up and maybe you're not as big as I am or, or have the, the, you know, the, the tumultuous life that I've had where you have confidence in your, your fight skills or whatever it is. You're just a timid person, a small person, whatever. What do you do in that moment? How do you rely on picking up a phone and calling 911 when you have a man who's twice your size, obviously mentally confused in some sort of capacity, right? What do you do? Because especially in the impoverished neighborhood, sometimes it takes a cop 30 minutes to get to your house, you know? And then a lot of times cops are just showing up kind of just to clean up the mess afterwards. They're just hoping that the whole thing's over with by the time they get there. You know, so if they take these the, our gun rights, how do you defend yourself in those instances? And I know we're not supposed to just sit there and let an individual come in our home and rape us or murder us or kill us, you know, or, or 
Well, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you uh, about, I think I told you this before, about four weeks, maybe, maybe about a month and a half ago, I was doing, uh, you know, I do private security. So I do private security, which is bodyguard work for people, as well as bouncers at, at the uh, restaurant clubs and stuff like that. So one day I'm working and uh, I overhear a lot of commotion toward the back stairway area. And I see the owner, one of the owners, and I see him being surrounded by a group of people. So he like he weighed me down. I go over there. It's a family of people and all of them are drunk. Everybody's drunk except a grandma. So you have the father, the mother, the son, two sisters. You got grandma, you got uncle and you got auntie. So it's eight, maybe maybe more. I just knew of eight of them. They're trying to go down the back stairs of the restaurant, which is a no-no. Everybody know that. But they drunk, so they want to get on the elevator and go downstairs. Mm. So when I go over there, I'm, I ask the owner, I say, uh, I'm just trying to be abreast of what's going on. I'm like, what's going on? So the young guy, the young guy, he say, uh, who the hell are you supposed to be? Mm. I, say, I, say, I say, excuse me, young brother, I'm just trying to find out what's going on. I don't want no problems. Uh... So he said, oh, you security? I said, yeah, I'm just trying to find out what's going on. He, he went, got in my face about, you know, about a foot away. He said, I'll F you up. I'll do this and I'll do that. Now, in my mind, in, my, in, in the other side of my mind, I broke his neck. Mm -hmm. You know how in the movies they show one side to where they done did something real bad real quick, and the yeah, other yeah. side. Yeah, so I broke his neck, and I left him laying on the floor. I literally felt it. I was energized by it. But the intelligence side of me said, I've been trained. I've been trained. Conflict resolution, mediation, communication, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've been in real combat. This is not combat. Mm -hmm. I've been in real situations. I, I got uh, several bullet holes in me. Uh, I seen in this young man here, I seen myself. He just needed somebody to holler at. So right. I let him do his hollering in my face. I let him do it. I told the owner, I said, I got him. He good. Mm -hmm. He good. Let him holler. Let him take all his anger out on me. He told me he'll blow my brains out doing all this talking, right? Mm -hmm. Beating I'm his chest. Scared. That's all he's doing. I'm not scared. I, he didn't startle me because I imagined him being me, angry, upset for no reason. And he and he got that intoxicant in his system that exacerbate everything. And make a long story short, his father still wanted to bark and bark and bark. His sister still wanted to bark and bark and bark. I walked that young man outside. And I was the one patting him on his back when my other security wanted to whoop on him. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, nah, brother. I said, you good, man. You good. No, you good, brother. I said, we just needed y'all to come outside the building, man. That's all. Y'all good, man. So the moral of the story is going back to knowing how to add solution to a situation because one, the, one solution don't fit all situations you know so we have to be careful in how we measure these situations that's going on around us even with the situation with you 
we have to be careful how we measure these situations so we could execute the proper plan that is befitting of that situation because that's how you get the best outcome for that situation you know yeah. what I, like like the way that you handled that that was befitting for that situation and then you look back on it and you say wow i ain't doing that no more right i gotta be more careful that was the solution for that situation now we move on to the next because it's too many situations that people just say, man, I'm about to pick up this gun. I'm about to blow this guy's brains out. This guy did that to me. This guy did this to me. It's, it's, as we get into the solutions portion of this, you know, it's, that's exactly it is, is understanding every situation is not the same and understanding what situation you're in. Of course, it's, it's first assessing your own danger. How, much of a dangerous situation am I really in? Like Demetrius said, you know, you when you have inflicted serious pain upon people, when you have inflicted serious damage on somebody, I mean, incapacitated somebody, right? When you know that you have the ability to do this and you've done it, it's, it's muscle memory in your mind. Yes. So like Demetrius said, when when that confrontation came to him, that's I mean that is. You you picture in your mind what happens, and your body just reacts to it. You know that's what any professional ball player tells you. That's what a boxer will tell you. That's what any right. professional person tells you, is that you have to see it in your mind, and your body just reacts to it. And when we've lived in hand to hand combat for the years that we have, that has become ingrained in us as well. That's. That's what I mean when I say about people will not go to the level that we go to. And like Demetrius articulated, he knows that. This is what allowed him to, to remain calm in that situation because he recognized that this was just a raw, raw moment. This was a kid that just needed to beat his chest, feel like a man in a sense, you know, and that look at me, I'm, I'm balling up to security and that this is all it really was. And he understood that. He never felt threatened. And, and that's just the situation. So it's, it's not allowing yourself to escalate to create a violent situation when it doesn't need to be. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to juxtapose my situation to another security situation that took place two weeks later, which happened two weeks ago. One of my friends... Uh, it was two people in a store. He do security at the stores and er everywhere where we do security, he do security at too. But he be in stores. I don't be in stores. And he real big guy. He's about 6'3", maybe about 400 and some pounds. Big boy. Big real, boy. real good guy. So somebody was trying to take cuts in, the, you know, Greek town in Detroit downtown. Uh, it's always flooded. Weekend, it is flooded. People everywhere coming from all angles so the store they only allow a certain amount of people in the store because it'd be that many people even 7-eleven always gets shot up so they'd be having security outside of 7-eleven only allowing three or four people in at a time so on this particular day two weeks ago my friend big d i guess some people was trying to take cuts in the line and uh and he He's never aggressive. He's always the guy that you want to talk to. That's him. 
And he tried to tell him, no, y'all can't do that. Y'all got to, you know, wait your turn or whatever. Uh, guy turned around and shot him, killed him, right? Just for speaking to him? Just for trying to break up and just tell them y'all can't take cuts and that type of stuff. Just shot him and killed him, right? And and I'm and, and I'm showing you the difference in the how I handle stuff, and each situation requires its own uh, ingredient or its own solution. Because here it was. He was a gentle giant, and all he was trying to do was keep the order because everybody know about Greek town in Detroit on the weekend. Everybody that comes to Detroit, that's why everybody go down there because they know it's going to be filled with people. So they know it needs order, and it's always flooded with police. I mean, flooded. That's why it was bad. They, got, they caught him right away because the police is always there. And my point is that he seen the solution to deal with that problem was just to say, look, no, y'all got to wait y'all turn, right? Uh, and that was his way of handling a lot of stuff, and it never backfired on him. I watched him many times for a few years straight. It never backfired. So, What is it, D? What is it that is make, will make somebody just turn and kill somebody like that? I mean... It's, it was never like that back in the day. You the know what I mean? The cause of it all, man. The thought is, you just said the little boy that was balking up to me, he just wanted to beat on his chest and be able to say he, he said this to the security guard. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes people in their depraved mind state, in their medicated mind state, and I'm not talking about marijuana medicated, in their medicated mind state and in their depraved mind state, they find that strength and courage to do something impulsively, not even realizing how far that impulse will slip. Because once the words out of your mouth, ain't no taking the words back. Once the bullet is outside of the gun, ain't no taking it back. So once they pull that gun out and they pull the trigger, you can say, oops, all you want to. Ah, no, it's too late. And that's where we trying to grab our people at we try to grab them before the thought crosses the mind to pick up the gun to resolve an issue with a gun when it could just well be resolved by saying all right man middle finger i'm out of here man i mean simple man too many on too many occasions too many occasions just in the last month have we seen shootings at schools a guy killing up a whole family uh, for absolutely nothing. The ball rolled into somebody's uh, front yard and he shoot all the children, shoot at all the children and the parents. Uh, people going to knock on the wrong door, they get shot. People pulling the wrong driveway, they get shot. This tells me that nobody is stopping and thinking. So now that tells me that something is wrong with how we're operating. Everything is impulse. So now we have to go back to thinking. We have to go back to saying, man, I ain't trying to go to prison. I ain't trying to do this. I ain't trying. I don't want to see nobody hurt. That's why I didn't do nothing to the little boy. I didn't put my hands on him in no, in no uh, negative way. Because I refuse to see somebody hurt by my hands. But I'm not going to allow them to hurt me neither. But mm -hmm. if 
any way possible, even because I had a guy put his hands on me. And all I did was put him in a full Nelson and carried him out the club. And that's mm. that. I ain't I ain't try to get aggressive with him. I ain't try to do nothing else with him. Only the necessary force to remove the problem from the situation. Mm. Roadhouse. That's it, man. That's, that's it. what Patrick Swayze said. Rest in peace. You ever seen Patrick. that movie? Roadhouse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My man, Patrick Swayze. So, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I love this type of con- at our At our staff meeting today, the question was asked. This was the ice-breaking question. How are you doing? And if it was a, if it was a, uh, if you had to give us an hour-long speech about something that you love to talk about a, uh, uh, do what would it be? I said I would talk about the prison system and the atrocities that go on in there because I know so much about it after serving 28 years. I love to talk about that stuff because somewhere along the lines of conversation, you're going to find a solution, and that solution can be sent to the proper sources, and we could somehow become a law, policy, rule, whatever it is, so it don't happen again. And that's what I think about when I talk about these type of matters when it comes to people killing people, shooting people, robbing people. If you talk about it long enough with real intentions, I ain't just talking about talking because the talk much is the foolishness of folly. Mm. But nevertheless, it is on the part of wisdom to hear with patience that other person's impertinence and to pity his absurdities, right? But to talk much is the foolishness of folly unless you're talking with the intent of getting something out, learning something or teaching something. And these are situations for us to learn from all of these shootings. And we don't have to impulsively react and say like that, like that lady said that you responded to on TikTok today. She said, I hope they get life and all that type. Yeah. Of stuff. Oh, you saw that my response. Yeah. But as soon as it happened to one of their family, they're going to say, they, that was wrong. And they have mercy, your life. honor. Yeah. Have yeah. mercy, please. He's a good person. And that's the definition. She was the definition of an impulsive mm-hmm. reaction to a problem. She didn't think about all the people it would affect afterwards or the fact that it would even affect her. She afterwards. did not put herself in that situation. That's right. That is what we have to do. What and that and that is what you're you're explaining is that we have to take ourselves out of what we think and just put ourselves into that situation and try to understand why this person may be doing what they're doing then versus just judging. That's what that woman did. She automatically just judged, right? So what Demetrius is talking about, there was a woman that um, Demetrius made a video and she came and, and made the comment that she feels that there should be no probation, no parole. Um, And I don't know if it's a she, I think the name was Aunt, Aunt uh, Dunlap, Auntie Dunlap. Yeah, yeah Dunlap. Dunlap. <laughs> Auntie Dunlap. So it was Auntie Dunlap, and, and her comment was that she feels that there should be no probation, no parole, that you should serve all of your time, and that life means life and not 25 years. And my comment to that was just be that way when you're in the courtroom and it's your father, your brother, your sister, your cousin. Right. right? And you're telling the judge, no, judge. Make sure he gets life and not 25 right, years now. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, my attorney once told me, she told me this back in 91 when I was trying to figure out how, when I had that life without parole sentence and I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. I didn't know. 
I, it's like you smell something that stink, but you don't know where to go to because the place is so it's so funky everywhere that you don't really can't trace the smell. So I'm just sitting there smelling. So I'm getting mad and angry. My attorney told me just like this. She said, you ain't never going to get yourself out of prison being angry. That's right. She said, she said, you can never research your case being angry because you're going to always act on impulse and not intelligence. She said, she said, look, you have to treat your case with passion, but you got to be conscious and calm because you want your thoughts to flow in a manner that's not distracted by anger. You want to be able to see things for what they are. And when I started doing that, I literally learned the law and I helped a lot of people give time back. Some people got out, maybe not solely due to my help, but I assisted somewhere along the way. But I learned that law. I learned it after I learned to calm myself down and see things impartially. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what that's what was wrong with what was her what was her name? Auntie uh Dunlop. Dunlop. Yeah, Auntie <laughs> Dunlop, right? That was that's that's the problem with us today. Is again, we go, we get mad, and we say, I'm picking up the gun. I, I don't care about nothing else. Keep in mind, I the, the part that say I don't care about nothing else means that you're not caring about your son, your daughter, your mother, your sister, your little brother, all these people. Because we're not even talking about the victim right now. We're not talking about the victim that the person that you're about to victimize. Hmm. We're talking about the people that you inadvert inadvertently victimizing due to your behavior. Your mother, your father, your sister, brother, your, your children, who you're going to leave behind and be raised because you're about to get 20, 40, 60 years in prison. You're not even thinking about that. And how does the mind of man become so distant away from those people when we get upset? It's just the same way that that homeless man thought he still thinks he's Mr. Consuela. You know, <laughs> it's 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 just a detraction from the mind that that you just feel like this can't happen to you, even though you're in the midst of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. But what you were saying earlier, that patience, you know what taught me that patience, man? Yeah. And, and, and you hit it right on the head when it comes to the legal battle. Right. Because I was always, man, for the first five years, I'm attacking my case through vindictiveness. I wanted them to pay for what they did to me. Yeah. You, you dig what I'm saying? But it was until I truly learned how to play chess. Right. You play chess inside. Yes. When is your when is your best chess game? When are you the when is your best chess game? You are the complete master and you can make no mistakes. When is that? When I'm calmest. When I'm calmest, I'm laid back, I'm thinking, man. And when is that? During the chess game. Doing it when my back up against the wall, that I'm, I'm I'm fighting anyway. But and learn it like I learned how to play chess in there. I didn't know anything about none of this stuff. And I played some of the best and I beat some of the best, although they had their uh uh rooks and knights off, but I beat them. I don't care. <laughs> that was their problem, not mine. Okay, so dig it. <laughs> and agree with me if I'm right or wrong. The best chess match you will ever play is from the sidelines. Oh man. You Ain't can it? see all the moves 
from the sidelines because you don't have the pressure of the game on you. When you're sitting down at the board, your mind is, what is he doing? Where's he going? I'm trying to block this. If I do this, your mind is thinking a million miles a second. The person on the side is like, man, don't this dude see you got the move right there. <laughs> you know what? All you got to do is H not. But we don't see it because of that pressure. See, that's a part of what we're going through, right? But see, sometimes when your best chess game being on the sideline, right? Your best coaching is on the sideline. Your best life coaching is on the sideline. Because right now, you do life coaching, right? Yes, sir. Now, because you lived a certain life and experienced a certain thing that qualifies you to be a life coach right now on the sidelines because there was a time when you was in that area that you're now coaching at and you didn't know nothing about what you was doing at the time because you couldn't see I was what in the game really doing. but the person on the sideline that may have pulled you to the side one day say man look man look your chess game bold man you supposed to move here or move there you gave yourself over to selling drugs or you gave yourself over to these vacant houses where you know the police come over at all the time Man, why don't you try to move your pawns in place to protect you, man? Your pawns is like your jobs. They, you can, you can lose one, you can get another one, but they're gonna always protect you. You can always lean back on. Them. So, so I, I, I truly believe in what you just said about playing your best game from the sideline because that's what my attorney was telling me about staying calm. So that's how you win the game. So it's learning. It's first understanding that feeling of being on the sideline. It's recognizing that, hey, man, I'm on the sideline. Like, man, I see all the moves because I have no pressure on me. And once you understand that, now it's implementing that into the game. Now it's having that level of comfort, comfortness while you're playing the game. So yes. you can see all the moves, right? And then once you got that, Man, you glide through life because you're a million steps of everybody else because everybody else, like you say, is just moving. My friend, my friend said to me uh, the other day, I was like, uh, I said, yeah, man, I say. He said, man, we need to put together this thing. We trying to bring back good time for Michigan prisoners and a sense of programs so they can get out early with good behavior. So he was like, man, we need to put together, you know, little clips of everybody telling what good time means to them and we can go around to people who never even been in prison but who are familiar and people who just got a loved one in prison. So <clears throat> I'm saying I said, yeah, man, that's I've been doing that already, right? I got a lot of clips right here. Even at a lot of the speeches that I've been given over the last three or four cities that I've been to, that I've been invited to give speeches, I I edit my clips down and specifically talk about the certain issue. And he's like, he's like, man, you're ahead of the game. I said, I said, no, it's not that I'm ahead of the game. It's just that when I went to the drawing board, I asked myself, what do we need to do? And I started thinking to myself, man, what do what does politicians do? Mm -hmm. They cornered the market with talking points. They cornered the market with flyers. They cornered the market with commercials. We don't have the money for commercials, but we got uh, we got the ability to have a. Uh, commercials on these social networks, Amen. So social media. So this is our commercial points. And 
And then I said, yeah, you know, I got I got the podcast and the podcast equipment and blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, man, you way ahead of everybody, man. And I said, I don't look at it that way. But in reality, I am because not many people are thinking about doing this with the idea that I'm getting all this equipment for future references. A lot of people getting this equipment for the right now. I'm getting it for future reference. But I understand the effect that it could have in the future to bring about the results that I'm looking for out of the system. So let's round this all the way back into how we talking about the solutions, because that's what I'm talking about. When I say I got all of this podcast equipment and I'm going around, I'm talking about finding solutions, man. I'm so tired of hearing people talking, man. I'm not going to lie. Amen. And, and one of the solutions is definitely is not taking, taking or, or, uh, minimizing our rights in any fashion. My father asked a, a very good question. So his question is, is, mo- is most shootings over drugs? I don't think most shootings are over drugs. Like, for example, and this, this is a, something else that irritates me, too. Me, me, and, me and a guy was talking about this today. He said, I said, I said, uh, when are we going to start marching? I posed that question on TikTok. When are we going to start marching and protesting when we kill each other? Because mm. as soon as the police do something to one of us, man, we outside of stores, police stations, court buildings. We're blocking traffic, everything. But we do it every single day. You know what I'm saying? So going to what your father's saying, I, I said that. And then cause my, this was my brother I was talking to. My brother was like, man, because somebody said some racist comments to me. And I cut I cut him down. Hmm. And my brother said, but there's some truth to what he's saying. I said, yes, it is some truth to what he's saying. But it's not what he said. It's how he said it. How he said it. And and this is the truth of the matter. Your father asked that question. When you're talking about urban areas, right? Urban areas. It shoot is a lot of the shootings happening over drugs. I can say that in a lot of cases, somewhere, somehow, some way. They be over some type of drug, whether I'm trying to rob you of your drugs, whether you owe me money for drugs, whether you are a drug addict trying to rob me, uh, whether I am on drugs. Somehow, some way, those drugs be having some little element of what's going on. Now, when you talk about suburban places, it be alcohol and sometimes drugs, some hard drugs. And then when you go further out in Michigan to like where I'm at, you got women. Mm. The guys are fighting over the woman. They mm. killed they, he killed his wife. He killed the children because the wife was caught cheating with so-and-so or she wanted to file a divorce and he wanted to file a divorce. So when you're talking about geographically, you know, the uh what they call that, the uh uh algorithms, the, the algorithms show dem- the uh demography uh Demography. Demographics. The demographics. That in certain areas, this is one of the reasons behind so many crimes. Over here, it's another reason. Over there, it's another reason. But to me, it all adds up to us, us having this demented mind state, man. We, we are so demented and so trapped in the fantasy of this reality that we live in, man, that we will do something to each other, whether it's over a woman, whether it's over drugs or this is the part to get me if you know that when you drink you act a doggone fool 
or when you smoke that, whatever you smoke and pop that, whatever you pop, that you act a doggone fool and sometimes it get violent. Why would you do it? That's the part that gets me. Now we're talking about now we're talking about selling our true selves, our true mindset, our true behavioral patterns, selling that and sacrificing that over to the devil so the devil can dictate our next move. You everything that you you said sounds like uh uh like emotions. It's it's um, you know, crimes of passion, whether it's it's the drugs like you say, the drugs, the alcohol, the women, mostly. I, I, exactly. I mean, and that goes a lot in the urban community as well, aside from drugs. So, I mean, I would say that 90 percent of the shootings, if not more in the in the urban community is is drugs or women, you know, yeah. and and it doesn't particularly just because a person gets shot at that moment doesn't mean that that was a drug transaction at that moment. This could have been like these said this person could have robbed somebody three months ago and it's just catching up to them now, you know? So, so maybe I don't want to use your, you know, your partner as an example, but maybe that's just it. An individual is standing in a line and maybe he forgot about an instance that he disrespected somebody, or maybe he's, he's having an affair with this chick that he don't even know has a baby dad or whatever. Right. He's standing in line. The dude comes and cuts him knowing already knowing that he's getting ready to murk this dude. But the dude don't know that. And he says something. Hey, man, who, why you, what you, you know, what you cutting or whatever. And that might have been his whole intention the whole time was to turn and blast him. We never know. It's karma, man. You know, karma. You can have bad karma, but nothing ever happens to you. Your father can simply be walking through the house and just trip and blow his hip out. That's from your karma. Or, or your daughter can go to school and get all A's, graduate and everything, get a scholarship. That's the karma. Even though it was bad, something you did caused bad karma, it translated to her as good karma. So everything that we do in my religion, we teach that. Uh, we teach on thy present choice depends our future happiness, right? Mm. So we teach that words can save, create, or destroy. So this means that every word that come out of your mouth, if it's not trying to save someone, it's creating something. If it's not trying to save or create something, it's destroying something. So we got to be careful with how we talk. And now we also have to understand that everything we, and I said this to a group of prosecutors we was training uh, a few weeks ago. I said, I said they words that they use against us. I said every I said what you say or do can and will be used against you in the court of law. Mm -hmm. And in the court of our law is right here in the court of our law is in the community. So what you say or do can and will be used against you at all times. So that karma that you create, somebody is going to pay for that. Whether it's whether it's going to be translated into something good. Because maybe all the bad things that you did, I remember you telling me some stuff about your pops, but maybe some of the bad things you did already came in back and hunted you or hunted somebody around you. And then when you start doing good stuff, your daughter started benefiting from the good. 
that's just how life works. That's karma. That's cause and effect, man. That's that's just what it is, you know. And 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 it took me uh, a lifetime to 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 understand that as well. And I think a lot of that to wrap this up goes into the fact because I can I can endure anything. I have endured just about everything and anything, and I can endure anything. And and life knows that, so it's not going to hurt me. It knows that it can't hurt me only to a certain extent. But what right. it can hurt me is my loved ones, the ones that I cannot have control over. That is, right. That's what hits you in the chest, and you start to feel the repercussions of your actions. I mean, that's what made me change was, was, was visiting my daughter and then having to watch her leave me each visitation. You know, that, that was my karma, to sit there and watch my child grow up without me being in her life. That, the, the, that's a pain that I, I, I can't take. You know, right. But um, beautiful conversation, man. Great conversation, man. And Great I think it all, I think it, I think it all boiled down to us watching the words that we use, the words that we say, and how we say those words, and us just learning how to think, man. I mean, because if we would just exercise just a small element of thought in times of distress. Man, we can we could overcome so much drama, so much unnecessary uh, toxicity, uh, toxic situation. We could, man, if we just exercise just a small element of thought, man, people would be alive today. And that's what we're trying to do. We can't bring those back who've already left, but we can hopefully stop some from going by reaching the minds of these young brothers and sisters out here right now who may be arming themselves for whatever reason, who may have anger problems and or family issues or may be depressed or whatever the situation may be. We can reach them right now. That's what we're trying to do. Amen. My, my friend off TikTok, Queen420, says, well, even the Bible calls the tongue a sharp sword. And that's, that's exactly it. And, and what, like Dee is saying, is, is we need to think we have to understand for that thought process to even kick in, we have to be in control. If we're out of control, if, if we're panicking, you know, the, I, think, I think that panic kills more than anything. Absolutely. So if we're in a panicky situation, then we're causing more harm to the situation than good. If, if I would have came out that night and panicked with that guy and, and let's just say hit him upside the head and, and who knows, maybe I slipped and fell and, and this big man fell on top of me now. And now what wasn't a violent situation turns into a violent situation. And now I'm at the losing end of it. So it's, it's understanding that not everything has to turn into a toxic situation. But when we're handling things radically without thought, um, first without compassion, right, then... It's, it's always going to turn toxicity. But thank you guys for joining in. Thank you for all the comments on TikTok. Thank you for all the comments on YouTube, all my, my regular supporters. I thank you guys, even though I don't give you guys enough shouts out. Um, I would not be in the position I'm in without you guys. So I want to give all you guys love for coming in day in and day out, week in, week out, and supporting the Thomas Freeme Show, Demetrius Knuckles and the Great Minds 5.0 Project, and just everything that we're connected to when it comes to returning citizens, when it comes to 
just just helping unite our communities. You know, that's our biggest message and why we do all of this is to get these American citizens to understand that we, the people, have to come together. We have Absolutely. to stop shooting each other, stop selling drugs to each other, and start protecting one another in the community. We have to start doing this or we're going to lose what we have. And like we just sat here and talked about for an hour, like Auntie uh, Dunlop, yeah. it's going to hit you in the face and then you're going to say, well, can we go back to what it was? No. When the government hey. takes it away, it's gone. And so at this point, you know, prayers are necessary for us all, especially for those who have suffered loss in the last day or so, the last week, the last month or whenever. Prayers are in order for all of them. Condolences are in order for all of them. But I want us to celebrate the life that a lot of us are about to leave from this call. We're about to breathe life into other people. We're about to inhale life into our body and share that life with somebody else. That's what I want to leave us with. Let's breathe life. Let's start breathing life into people. Let's breathe life into the air of our community. No matter what the next person is doing, I'm asking you to commit yourself to breathing life into your community and watch the flowers grow. Watch the flowers grow. So Amen. I want to give it up to uh, Thomas Freeman Show, the Coming Home Coalition, Michigan Liberation, uh, Nation Outside, uh, Michigan United. <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to the Great Minds Project 5.0, Good Heart Youth, the Great Minds Project, because we're out here. And guess what, y'all? Sooner or later, y'all going to see us sitting here together doing the podcast together. Just stay tuned. I'm telling you. Keep your eyes open. Mainstream, baby. I got my one good eye open. (laughs) Mainstream, baby. And with that, man, we out of here. Please listen to what Demetrius said. If you are trying to better your life and you just don't have the patience for it, it's just hard, please, we are so easy to find and to reach out to. Hit us up on Messenger. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Instagram, TikTok. Hit us up and just say, man, listen, I'm trying, but I need help. Man, we'll pull you to the side and give you some pointers. We'll work with you because that's what this is about. But until next week, we love you guys, man. We're here for you. This is Thursday Night Get Right. Thomas Free Me to Demetrius Knuckles And we out of here, man. Y'all stay safe. Be your best. Self. Peace.